what's up fam this your boy j to the r and this is making music with j to the r so today on this podcast i figure because i haven't done it yet i guess giving you the full deal spill on how i got into making music so what better time is it than now to tell y'all how i did it so but first you need to hit the subscribe subscribe to the podcast you don't want to miss no episode okay because i'm gonna keep it going i'm gonna try to at least do it for a year and keep it popping but anyway let's get started right into it so it all started back probably about 1994 yes i've been doing this a long time i was still in college well it goes back farther than that in band i played the drums i got a scholarship to play in band in college and I always kind of played the piano just a little bit. But when you go, when you play percussion in college, you have to take piano lessons because the piano is a percussion instrument. So anyway, so then I learned to play a little bit better then. Now I don't really know nothing. I knew my notes, scales, all of that stuff. Now I really don't because I don't do it that much. And I ain't tried to try to, and I haven't put any time in it to try to remember it. So that's kind of when my whole music journey started. Fast forward, graduated high school, went to college, was in band for a semester. Then people were too good. It was taking a lot of my time. I quit. Fast forward some more. I think it was my senior year. I said, I don't don't really remember what it was that motivated me the most. But something had to have motivated me to pick up a recording i don't know i don't remember what it was to save my life but anyway so you know in college you're broke you ain't got no money you ain't, you ain't trying to spend too much money you ain't got nothing so i used to go and remember folks this is way before ebay before amazon before all of that stuff you would have to go to the pawn shop the pawn shop is where you got your musical instruments so I went to this pawn shop, wasn't even in my city. It's probably about 30, 45 minutes away. Man, I used to just love going in there, just looking, dreaming, looking, looking at all the keyboards, all of that good stuff. So anyway, I went in there one day and they had a Tascam four-track recorder. And that's what started. I bought it. I don't even think I, I had, Um, I take that back. I did have a keyboard. I had a Casio keyboard. You know, those cheap. Cheap, cheap sounding. Well, you hit, you just hit play. You hit play and it's already got songs on it. I had one of those keyboards. So I would record it four track um, on the four track. And then I would just kind of rap, make raps to it and record those. Now, today you got these unlimited number of tracks. You can do a million different things a million different times. But back in the day, you didn't have that. All you had was that little funky four track. And you had to figure out from the very start how you were going to make this song work. So, you know, if you had a verse, a chorus that had like two tracks on it, then you had a beat that was a stereo. Because the music was always a stereo track. So that's two tracks gone right there. Two tracks gone. So then what you would have to do is... A lot of bouncing. 
I know a lot of people today probably don't even know what bouncing tracks is, but you had to do a lot of bouncing. In other words, if you had the, um, you would record the beat. Okay, so that's two tracks. Then you would record, how would I used to do it? You record, say, like the chorus on another track. You bounce that down to another track and add a track onto it. I think that's how you do it. Anyway, you take those four tracks and you just keep bouncing them down, bouncing them down. And remember, we're bouncing them down on the cassette. So the quality is getting really, really degraded. But hey, but now it's called, um, what's the word they use for it now? Oh, it's, um, yeah, I, I like the sound now because you can hear the compression. No, no, it, it was trash. But anyway, you keep bouncing all these tracks down and you have to be, you have to really play in because you don't want to have to bounce down too much because each time, like I said, the quality gets a little worse. Those tracks had like a little, those four track recorders had like a little minor uh, EQ on it. You use that if you had one of the good ones, but I didn't have one of the good ones. So I used that for a while, kind of learn, learn what to do or whatever. Fast forward, graduated. Uh, graduated college out on my own and I still had this little four track recorder but now I needed something a little more so I ended up buying I think it was one of those rolling VS840s man I had wanted one of those things forever I got that and I bought a um, and a, a Korg M1 keyboard now this I bought it everything I'm, I'm telling you I bought I bought it at a pawn shop so I bought that and, and the reason why I bought that was because my neighbor at the apartment that time, I just happened to see him going to his apartment with a with an ASR-10. I think it was the ASR-10. It was the keyboard version of the sampler. Look it up if you don't know what that is. But anyway, there was no computers. Everything was hardware driven. So if you wanted something, your ass better save because it wasn't cheap. Because that stuff was still like $1,400 dollars or fourteen hundred dollars a thousand dollars just to get something used so anyway i'm so now i'm getting all excited i mean i'm trying to figure out man, how can i get over to this dude crib to see what he do eventually i think i said something to him or whatever and then i go over there just watch it make beats or whatever you know just mesmerized i'm learning from him asking him questions he was a dj too we got to be homeboys and then Eventually, I went out and bought, saved my little money, went out and bought a car M1. And, uh, you know, it had a sequencer on it, so I did all my programming on the keyboard, and then I just dumped it as a stereo file into the uh, the 8-track the recorder. And at this time, I think there were were, were uh, disc, mini-disc, that you would record on on that rolling. Love that rolling. EQ always wanted one. Eventually, I had like two of those synced together to have 16 tracks, but that was later on once I figured out what I was doing. So, um, now way back then, I was really, 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 really into like gospel Christian rap. So my thing was being a Christian rapper. And you, to tell you the truth, some of my stuff is still out there. You can find it on, well, I ain't going to tell you. But anyway, I may, I kind of even been thinking about getting back into it because that's truly what got me into you know, rapping, and now I'm just all over the place. But I say this story for another day. So anyway, so we developed a relationship. Eventually, he got his own studio, 
whatnot, whatnot. I was doing beats in my apartment on the dining room table with the keyboard. Then I met another homeboy who um, at church. I told him he was rapping at this little show that we had. So I, I approached him like, "Say, bro, I do this. You know, I do uh, gospel rap too." Next thing you know, we like brothers to this very day. And that was like way back, about over twenty years ago. We formed a group, performing, doing all of this stuff. Um, uh, I still had my solo stuff, and then. Um, it was and then somewhere along the line in that, in that, you know, by now my, you know, I've moved into a house. I got my own, lots of recording gear. I think I started out with cakewalk. That was my MIDI sequencer, but I was still using my keyboard with the sounds on it. So basically what you had to do was plug your keyboard into the computer via a MIDI port and the computer would control the keyboard, unlike the day where the keyboard controls the, the computer. My my have times changed. So I've had everything from keyboards, samplers, a Yamaha. I had an AS. I did have that. Have an ASR sampler. Had the Cargim one. Had the Yamaha Remix one. Had the Boss drum machine. I've had Tascam mixes. I've had in everything. In fact, at one point, I started a recording studio in my house and was kind of was making money at that. Was selling beats. And once I figured out I could do this, I could sell beats. Look, folks, let me tell you something. If you don't learn nothing else, you know how a lot of times you can kind of like talk talk yourself out of doing stuff. You'll say, oh, it'll never work. It'll never work. It'll never work. It ain't going to work. Why would it work for me? Well, here's what I did before I started the, the recording studio out of my house. I was did everything I could to talk myself out of it. But I had a plan. So I said, well, OK, fuck it. Let's do it. So we had this magazine locally here called the Dallas Observer. And in the back of it, you had all of the classified ads, like recording studios, all of that stuff and whatever else you wanted to find, if you know what I mean. So I just placed a little $20 ad in the back of that. Boom, started getting phone calls. Phone calls, answer them, explain to them what I got, how much to charge. They come over to the house. So I'm making money. I'm making about a grand a month or whatever. I, I'm having repeat customers. I'm having, I'm meeting new people that, I even had a guy from Nashville that was traveling through recording, um, recording, I forget what it was. It was something for, for the rodeo. It was, it was the rodeo community or whatever. And he just needed a vocal room to, uh, to record this person that he was recording, um, you know, on his, on his way to recording other people around the country. But anyway, so, um, what was my point? So I'm doing good with that. I got the recording studio. I'm recording people. I'm selling beats. I'd sell beats anywhere from $50 to a hundred dollars. I can make a beat in five minutes and then somebody would come over and buy it for 50 bucks. And that was blowing my mind. I was like, it can't be this easy. And I was doing that simply because I said, forget it all because of $20, a $20 ad I placed in the back of a local newspaper. That wasn't even the newspaper. It's amazing what you can do with $20. So anyway, so I would so when business would kind of get slow when really getting a new customers, I'd place a new one. 
and, and more would come. But I had to be very selective because I was doing it out of my house. So I'm still working on my stuff or whatever as an artist. I'm recording people. And uh, the hustle was real. While I'm at work, I'm sitting up looking at trying to find different venues I can perform at. I'm calling them on lunch. I'm sending them emails. Hey, I would. here's what I would do. I would look at these artists' schedule because I knew what the Christian venues were locally. So I would look at these particular artists' schedules and see when they would be in Dallas. And anytime they'd be in Dallas, I'd see the place. I'd call that place and be like, say, uh, I'm a Christian artist too. Can I open for this group coming? And they would let me do it. So then I bring my homeboy along because you just can't be on stage by yourself. He'd be a hype man. We do one of his songs or whatever. Um, then I made an album. You know, the momentum was kind of kind of going. I was doing TV shows, radio interviews, uh, all of this stuff just by through the work I'm putting in on the grind, grinding on the streets, making phone calls and stuff. There was no there was no Facebook, no Instagram no SoundCloud, no none of that. If you want to be successful, you had to get out there in them streets and talk to people. And I think that's where it's going to go back to. So, um, so through all of that hustling on the weekends, I would go, I would take my little CD that I made out of my house. Cause I'd figure out how to do everything myself and make it as professional as I could. I would take it around to these music stores like Hastings, I go to the mall. I said, "Hey, do you mind putting this in the store?" Whoop, whoop, whoop. The mom and pops, especially. Uh, so I give them a couple copies because I probably didn't have, but like, shit, ten made, ten or eleven, twenty made. So you know, these CDs just sitting in the store. So people was hearing my stuff, and then um, I got had got a call from this local uh, 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 this local record record label. And so this was the first time I was kind of approached by a record label. You know, I'm figuring, you know, he, he popping off, making big, yeah, we're going to give you a $5,000 advance. And to me, $5,000 was a lot. So here I am. I've created this momentum. I'm doing these shows. Word of mouth is going around. I'm doing shows in Louisiana, South Texas. Uh, I got a little crew together. We're all trying to do the same thing. We're helping each other out. We're on each other's songs. We're making it happen slowly but surely but then I get, I get offered this record deal and so I thought about it I thought about it I mean I was even calling looking up in the phone book uh entertainment lawyers calling them to see what they thought I was just trying to pick their head I didn't have no money to hire them but I was gonna see how much they was gonna how much information they was gonna give me over the phone and uh you know if they were helping out you know back then people wanted People actually helped you. It wasn't all about the dollar, so to speak. So anyway, I decided I signed the deal with the record label. Um, that was a mistake. Okay, so here's the problem with with a record label. When you're doing it yourself, you're on your own timetable. You're doing the own grind yourself. You're making stuff happen. You're out there in them streets hustling. You're doing this. You're doing that. Well, as soon as you sign with somebody, now you are at the mercy of them. Once you record your record, you can't do nothing until they tell you to do it. So now, and come to find out, they didn't really know what they were doing. So now my mo little momentum that I felt was decreasing because I couldn't release anything. I couldn't do nothing. So eventually, the album eventually came out, I think like a year later. But by then, I hadn't 
really done too much. I was getting a few of shows on my own, but I couldn't really sell nothing at the shows because I'm under contract with them. So I can tell you right now, start signing with that little label was the worst thing I could have done because it kind of put everything that I had worked for to a standstill. It was trash. So anyway, so I was getting irritated. I still want my advance. I've been in it by six, been signed with with them for about six months. I still ain't got no advance. Uh, I'm recording stuff myself in my own studio, so you're not coming out of pocket on that. The only thing they paid for was mastering, and I went to that mastering session, and I'm, man, I'm just absorbing information, asking this dude questions, looking at his gear, and it was a pretty pretty big uh, recording studio. But I think it cost about two hundred fifty to master. What, about 10 songs or whatever and really at the end of the day it didn't really sound no better than what i did and they had all the top dollar equipment so um so at that point i'm frustrated i'm feeling down i can't really do nothing and i'm like i'm not doing nothing else until this contract is over so it was a year contract i kind of sat on everything i don't even think that record even came out matter of fact during that first year, it was after the fact that people were saying, say, man, I saw your album in the store. And I'm like, oh, for real? <laughs> but by that time, I didn't really have no momentum. So it's kind of like starting all back over again. And eventually, I stopped. Life came and went. Now, I'm still doing my recording studio, so I'm still doing that. That's going strong. I'm finding artists. I'm signing, like, management deal with artists. I'm working with them. I'm learning. They learning. I uh, had one song that I did for a um, for one of my ex. It was on the radio. Um, so, you know, that's kind of going and popping. But the minute they f- f- ran into somebody a little bit bigger than, than I was, then they ran to them. So I'm like, gone. Whatever. So, um, and then let's go back to the recording studio. So, like I said, I was doing this out of my house. So eventually, you know, that money started getting good. So I started opening it up to more people. Now I had a rule. I said, you know, when I'm talking to you on the phone is you and another person. Don't be bringing a whole bunch of people over to my house. Well, when I started the need to make more money, because at the time I wasn't working, I got laid off. So I was doing this full time now. So I needed, needed some bread. I started letting some people I shouldn't have let in in. So in one session, I think three people came in and I started telling them, yeah, yeah, I got to go. Sorry. I said only two people, but I let them come in. One dude had his phone went off. So he went to the garage to use his phone. But what I didn't know was my wife's purse was in the garage, so in the car. And next day, she went looking for a purse, couldn't find it. Don't know who got it. Because if I recall correctly, the garage door was up too, so someone could have came in from the outside and and got it. So at that point, I'm depressed. I'm like, man, I can't do this. So I even stopped getting new people coming over because that was a Debbie Downer. And I was just working with my existing hardcore group of people well eventually you know they get finished with their music or either they give up so now what well guess it's back back time for a nine to five so then i made music 
quite a while after that. But at that point, it had come right back to, to it just being a hobby whenever. Then eventually I lost interest. And it was funny because I was doing music and it just wasn't feeling the same. It was just like I was just doing something like scratching your ass or something. It ain't no itch. You're just scratching for no reason. And once I got that feeling, I stopped completely. So everything, everything I had, I sold it. Except the speakers I got now, they old as hell. And I think that's just about it. Because everything else I got is new. But I had a whole lot of hardware. I had a, um, I, I kept the computer. I think, with the, actually, I think I still got that computer over in the corner over there. It may not even boot up, but I'd be curious to see what's on it. There's probably pictures on that too. Hmm. I need to plug that in. So anyway, I saw all of my hardware gear and I had quite a bit because back then, if you wanted to get a client and they come to check out your studio, you needed to just sit, ha- have it. It needed to look like you had a bunch of shit. Like nowadays, it's a mem. It's you don't have to have nothing. Just have it clean and neat, and people and have a computer and people are okay. But back then, man, if you didn't have all this stuff, this big mixer and instruments everywhere, it was some stuff I was buying. I never did use. I just bought it because it was cheap and I knew it would look good with with the studio. But you know that was a game. It was a fun game. So now I eventually got back in it. And now here we are today. Still kind of doing it. I think I stopped again. Then I got my interest back again. And I'm still doing it now. So, you know. But now I'm just doing it for a whole different reason. Because it's fun. I got no agenda. No goals. No nothing. I'm just doing it because I want to do it. Because the problem with when you started setting stuff. When you started when you started doing it for meeting goals and aspiration is that's when it becomes work becomes just like going to a nine to five only you ain't getting no money for it. So it was fun. It's fun to be able to do it now with no expectation other than to do it. It's a beautiful thing. And here we are today making YouTube videos of me doing music and I barely can do a beat because uh, everything has changed as far as what people want to listen to. There was no trap music back then, but there, pretty much everything is trap now. So you gotta, so I had to learn how to try to figure out how to do trap beats, and I think I did that. But anyway, that is pretty much how I came into how I got into music and why I'm still in it today. And it's probably a lot of people just like me started when they were young and still doing it. Uh, I still got a love for rap, so that's why I still do rap. Just because it's fun sometimes. Sometimes it's not. But pretty much I just like doing beats too. If I can do it, if I do a beat and hit save, may not never do nothing else with it. I don't care. I pass some time. But anyway, I think we are about time. I've been rambling for about 23 minutes. This your boy J to the R for making music with J to the R. Hit that subscribe button. Peace.